My guest this week is the man behind Champion Living Fitness and behind the Champion Living Podcast. Doug Champion has become one of my favorite people and a dear, dear friend of mine. We sat down in Las Vegas at Resorts World during the National Finals Rodeo to talk about a number of things, including NFR fashion, because it is such a hot topic during those 10 days in Vegas. That's right. It was all in good fun. But anyways, um, Doug Champion, again, many of you probably seen on social media if you're a rodeo fan or in the rodeo world, Champion Living Fitness and the Champion Living Podcast. Well, Doug, not only... Uh, am I a fan of this guy because of the way he helps athletes prepare for their competition? I'm a fan of this guy because he is a good, good dude. And not only does he want people to get better in the arena and with their health and fitness, he truly wants to help people become better humans. And that's what I like about him. That's why we gravitated towards each other. And that's why we sat down and had this episode. This episode would not be possible without my dear friends at WSM Auctioneers. Auction every second Saturday of the month or second Saturday of every month, however you want to say it, whatever, log on to WSMAuctioneers.com or give them a follow on Instagram, WSM underscore auctioneers. You can bet all or bid all online right there, WSM Auctioneers. Large equipment, vehicles, tons of stuff, WSM Auctioneers. Also, you guys, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know my go-to is the Jaybird sunglasses from Beck's. Well, Christmas is right around the corner and I now have a new go-to. They're called the Patrol. That's right. Beck'sSunglasses.com. I'm going to save you some money when you use the code MATT20. That's M-A-T-T-2-0 at Beck'sSunglasses.com. I also uh, I brought home a new pair of Porter as well. So, But the Patrols, they're my go-to. Beck'sSunglasses.com. Use the code MATT20. Hit the subscribe button, drop a five-star review, leave us a comment, let me know what you think of this episode. Let's get to it. My man, Doug Champion. So let's talk fashion. Let's talk fashion. I I own a gym, you're a fitness guy, let's talk fashion. I will say this, surprisingly the fashion is not as crazy this year as most years in Vegas. No, it's actually quite similar to most years, but... There's this one jacket that all the girls have. I don't know if you've noticed it. I haven't. <laughs> and it was the same last year, but I think even worse last year. There like I would see like 6 to 10 girls. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it the, like a like a kind of a uh, like I don't wool, want to say like a saddle wool. blanket. It's like type. a Pendleton looking yes. jacket. Yes, it has like, like some a, gray tones. Yes, and, and like yep. a light pink and blue. I know exactly yes. what you're talking about. Oh, so I, I still see that second year in a row. Think because they might have sold it in my wife's boutique. I don't know. <laughs> they, hey, but I know which one you're talking about. They crushed it with that jacket because literally every girl at the NFR for the past two years has had it. It's so crazy how big fashion is with uh, this 10 days. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm wearing turquoise boots today. Yeah. I wore a grenadine hat grenadine. yesterday. Yep. So I I kind of get it. I mean, it's it's You're taken a trendsetter, me Matt. It's taken me a lot of time to even buy into the whole fashion process, but don't the girls WPRA they have a like best dressed award. Yeah, they have a full award. I think 10 grand. Is that what it is? 10 G's. Holy From what I heard, crap. I heard that last night. Like I want to have an announcer right? portion of that. Someone was saying they should let the bull riders do that. That's dumb. 
I mean, like, but but I feel like bareback riders are doing that with like the best hairstyle. Well, Rocker had cornrows. Yeah, and and Tilden just had like Dude. full. Full flow Lions, down man. over half of his face, yes. like a damn Fabio cover. He always like, does. Oh, it's crazy. Best hair in the PRCA. I'm just mad. I I don't have. It's hair. just a little jealousy. It's okay. It sucks. It's a lot of jealousy. <laughs> there, it's more than a little. It's it's a lot. Um, why the hell are we talking about fashion? So for people that have been living under a rock, Champion Living Fitness like started just blowing up. You guys are busy man we are really busy and to watch how it's grown over the past few years has just been far exceeded any kind of expectations that i had which i think is a huge testament to where the sport's headed man like it's going down it's becoming much more professional at a professional level and i don't think it's uh, a secret that there's definitely times that professional rodeo wasn't ever treated like a professional right. sport, it's, right? It's not treated like a business. It's not treated like a sport. So how do you make it a professional sports league? And we, we jokingly talk about fashion, but at the end of the day, it's part of the evolution of this business and Absolutely. this sport. And so, you know, they, they all kind of go together and we'll get into all that a little bit later on. But uh, how many athletes do you have at the NFR? Yeah, at the NFR this year, I think it's 16 athletes that we've helped train throughout the year and that have, um, you know, that we've, we're preparing during the off season and call it an off season, the uh, 10 weeks from Pendleton to now, right. <laughs> which is also another very big challenge when it comes to training athletes. Uh, but yeah, 16 guys all are healthy. Actually, Oren did break his thumb last night, so he is out or two nights ago. But I am assuming it wasn't because he wasn't doing Absolutely. thumb no. exercises. No, <laughs> definitely I mean, not, That's a freak deal. That's rodeo, right? right? There's that's just what you sign up for. There's going to be things you can't control, and actually, fifty percent you can't control. Yep. There's a lot that goes into the animal, and um, things are going to happen. And what we prepare them for is to not be not walking away from that, and being able to, you know, hopefully get continue the next day, or we minimize or mitigate the injuries. Control the controllables, absolutely, and then you're more prepared for the uncontrollable. It's pretty simple to very me. simple. If you have prepared yourself physically and mentally for what's to come, you should be able to react better to anything. Most people don't think like that. Not at all. It's crazy how Not many people don't. And they also, so many people think it's so far out of their reach to be at that level of athleticism, right? When all it really takes is some consistency and not near as much work as you think. Well, you think about even like weight loss journeys, and, and I know that that's, that's big. It's, it's in everybody's face every single day, every time you scroll through the gram. You think about what it takes to go on a physical transformation like that. It's a little bit of consistency. It's not even super long term. No. I mean, it's you know four, five, six days a week over the span of a few months. Yep. When you live to be in your 70s, that's not I mean, that's a pretty good wager for me. I'll take that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't I don't understand people that, that don't take the time to work towards bettering themselves. Right. And that consistency pays off with anything, man. Whether it's you want to lose weight, you want to gain muscle, you want to be a world champ, you wanna have a million dollars. Yeah, if you, you want to start a business. Exactly. You have to consistently be putting in that effort to to get there. And that's what a lot of people now and the weight loss thing is a huge trigger for this, but they want the they want the secrets, yeah, the quick fixes, and I hate to tell you, there that's that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to put in the work, and if you do have a quick fix and it does work, it will not be sustainable unless you're going to Mexico. Yeah, and that quick fix is really <laughs> going to come right back. Yeah. I mean, it it, it yeah. is like yeah. look at how many people 
think they're going to find the easiest way out. And some people do it for medical reasons, and I understand. But if you're going to take the easy way out, chances are you're going to be right back in the same boat you were in. If you do it for any reason, you know what I mean? You still have to, when you get done with that, you have to continue to be consistent in a healthy lifestyle or else it will be in the same exact position and in worse health. It's like the steroid conversation of the 90s. Oh my God, he's on he's on steroids. Okay, he still has to work. That, Mark yeah. McGuire, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds are two of the big names that come up when you start talking about steroids. I don't give a shit what they were on. I don't care if they were injecting horse semen. Yeah, <laughs> they had to have hand eye coordination, bat speed. Like it's incredible yeah, I, what yeah, they did. You can't just give someone steroids and say, "Yep, they're going to be a world class athlete." Like, no, not no, going to. We all would if that was exactly. The case. It would make it would be too easy. Also. I think it would be badass to just let everyone use them. I, I think, I mean... And just see these heavy, like, if everyone's like that, holy smokes, could you imagine things that happened? I think one of the most ridiculous things that's happening right now is the fact that we can legalize every other drug, but not PEDs. Yeah. How does that make any sense? Because, look, if I want to go, you know, if person A wants to go smoke a joint or do cocaine or whatever and it's okay in certain areas why can't i physically like enhance myself or just try to get stronger i I don't get it man doesn't make sense to me just those stigmas that we have to break man the cultures it's like going back to was it reagan the war on drugs yeah yeah i mean on by the way i'm not on steroids i just want to be clear (laughs) me neither (laughs) but also i we've owned gyms We've, I've definitely seen guys on steroids. Yeah. When I had my back surgery, I was prescribed low doses of testosterone and, and trend and things like that, too. And it really? was used for different reasons than just getting jacked, right? It right. was yeah, yeah. to absolutely help my, my rehabilitation and do things like that. But it's those settings like that 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 should be – a lot of people should have access to those things. If it's you know through a doctor, controlled situations in a scenario like that, um, it can be really beneficial, yeah. you know? And why wouldn't you want to feel the best you can possibly feel? Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of things like sleep, even like sleep is such a huge part, man. That is so. But I mean, like even like people with low testosterone, they have trouble sleeping. They have have trouble getting into exactly. Uh, That's an epidemic, man. Like low T in this country is huge. If you look at, and I'm not a scientist, but I've read a bunch of studies recently about it, and. I think the average male that's 23 or 24 years old now has the testosterone levels of like a 64-year-old in 1970, which is wild. Why is that? Tons of reasons. Mostly they're saying that environmental reasons, things like the toxins that are out there, plastics being a big one of them. Yeah. Plastics are uh, messing with your hormones a lot. So plastic is in everything it's wrapped in all our food we have ziploc containers we have all these things um we also have someone at the door (laughs) guest okay i don't know what i'm supposed to talk about right now i'm trying to listen to this conversation That's good. What were we talking about? Uh, oh, plastics, things like that, messing up. Dude, things in your... If you read enough about it, everything in, <laughs> that we do is just terrible for our hormones. I can't ignore the fact that Alfredo, very nice gentleman, just showed up at the room. Like and the pasta? And looked very... <laughs> kind of like the pasta. Kind of, He looked very confused and said, uh, did somebody call about maybe one of your sinks not working? No, maybe they didn't. 
That was very, very odd. When you're in the other room, I, I pranked you and I called. Oh, you son of a... <laughs> I didn't. I'm no, just but kidding. you think about all the garbage we put in our bodies. Man, it everything it it's so bad. It it really is, and it's it sucks to say that because when you look around at it, it you can't avoid it. Like at some point in time, you're gonna. It just is. That's where our life is right now. And well, it, that's what I was gonna say. Like myself included. Like I'm same. not judging anybody. No, and I eat shit. And especially when you're, for instance, now you have times like we're in Vegas for ten days. You just you're not gonna be on your routine. Eating consistently clean is not feasible and not that you can't go buy the meals and have them in the room because i've done that i did that all week right and it's been great for some of the time but most a lot of the time we're out about we're doing stuff i don't i'll get hangry dude yeah <laughs> and you I get to eat, a point you know? where it's like like you're so busy and you're yeah, in such a hurry eat. yeah you don't have time mm-hmm. I, I i that I, stumbles into something right. that i hate but like like you're so structured and you're scheduled like you have to be in this place at a certain time mm-hmm. I can't drive 30 minutes across town, so I just got to grab whatever I can grab and move exactly. on. Um, it's tough, man. It is. And just, but you can make conscious decisions when you're out doing those things, right? And knowing that not eating is definitely not going to be a better option because you need to keep your body fueled with something uh, or else that, you know, further effects of just metabolism and all that. The whole time thing, I about got off on a tangent because I don't have time for people that tell me they don't have time for the gym. <laughs> Or to get some exercise. Like, I just don't have time for you. If you're telling me, oh, I don't have any time to, to go walk or work out. or like, yeah, on, yeah, everyone's got time. You make time yeah. for things that are important. And one of my favorite things to do with clients is, uh, well, I do this personally. I track, especially on like work week, work days, when I'm at home, I track every 30 minutes what I've done with my time. Really? Yeah, because it keeps me on track and I really stay diligent on what I'm doing. And I know that when I look at the end of the day, I'm like, hey, I didn't get this done. Well, it dang sure isn't because I didn't have time or I wasted time, you know? Oh my and I, it holds no one. I, I'm the only one. I have to look in the mirror at that point, you know? You're so much more productive than <laughs> I am in life. Dude, it, I get so, you get so much more done that way. I can't even imagine. And then, But I have clients do that, and they'll start writing out the day, and they're like, oh, man, I just found like legit two hours of time. Just It all added up to that. You know, That wasn't two hours in a row. Right. But 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, an hour, 30 minutes there, yeah, whatever. What's up, man? Hey, oh, yeah, what'd you do? I sat on the couch and watched TV. Well, you made a choice. You did that instead of doing going on your walk. Okay. Which, understandable sometimes, you need to. Then, and I do that all the time, man. Yep. I literally have 20 minutes a day written in that I relax yeah. because I'm, I like, I go fast, yeah. you know, and I like to get consumed by my work and, and all of a sudden it's 6 PM and you haven't taken a break. So I make sure that I'm taking time for me. And also when I do that, if I stay on those long runs like that, I'm break. I, you know what I mean? I won't last. Yeah. And it's I, not my best effort. I do that. Like I, uh, about three times over the course of two weeks in Vegas, I will, Go, 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 go all day. Mm-hmm. And even just talking to people. I mean, it, yeah, it, it does take a certain level of energy out of you. And so I will 30 minutes, 30 minutes inside a cold sheet. And I mean, full on get in bed like I'm going to sleep yeah. for eight hours. But 20 to 30 minutes, hard sleep, mm-hmm. reset, back down to the show. Ready to go. Move on. Yeah. Yep. How'd you get into all of this? Because I think everybody is starting to see... Champion living, champion living, champion living athletes and everything. But let's talk about the beginning of all of this. Yeah. So I rode bucking horses for a long time. For those of you that don't know, Richie Champion's my little brother. So I put him on his first horse ever 
which which makes you the more distinguished older brother. Exactly. Yeah, by the way, congrats to him on an, on a great career. Yeah, great I can't believe him. it. You know, he's he's done retiring. It That's amazing. <laughs> that was one of the funniest things yeah. I've seen in a long yeah, time. Yeah, if you guys haven't been following on TikTok throughout the finals or didn't, you need to go look at it's on Teton Ridge, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, and it they get a bunch of people in line for his autograph and have him saying, you know, great career and Richie's just so like what Uncomfortable. What? Yeah. And then look straight at Tilden like, this is your fault. What did you do? <laughs> what did you do? And Tilden's like, I, I haven't moved, Rich. I've been sitting here the whole time. Oh, it was so awesome. It was good. So It awesome. was good. But yeah, I got started. Uh, I rode bucking horses for man, almost 10 years. Went to college and rodeoed for Sam Houston State. And I had a had an injury over the summer run when I was about 20, 21, 22, something like that. And a horse flipped over with me into a, into the fence and broke my collarbone, my ribs, and my back all at the same time. My lower back fractured some vertebrae. Um, you know, everything healed up fine after that. Uh, the back, they didn't know my back was what it was because my ribs and collarbone hurt so bad. I wasn't even thinking about my back. That all heals up. I tried to get on one or two more and something's just not right in my back. So I went to some specialists and we find out, you know, herniated disc fractured those vertebrae they're healed but i mean they're healed the way they healed right right yeah so i'm dealing with tons of low back pain really just changed my life man it was debilitating it it made i couldn't um this is the most unprofessional podcast i've ever done i'm sorry you're okay um yeah just pain all the time you know, the only, I was 23 years old, so back surgery wasn't an option, especially with any orthopedic surgeons, because what I found out, they just weren't that confident in their right. abilities and what my quality of life would be like after that. And so they said, get strong. And so I said, okay, let's go. Getting strong was something I had to learn how to do myself. Um, I could have gone to personal trainers, actually tried a couple of times and just really wasn't getting the information I wanted from them. Uh, because most personal trainers don't like, really know and, and that it's not much. a knock on them, but no, they know what they've read through a couple of well, files. You look and, at a, the certification, man, and it's, you pay 300 bucks to take their exam online. Yeah. And, if and you it's can an open pass, book. That's what drives me nuts. Yeah. That's why like when people, here's my advice to everybody listening. If you're going to seek out a personal trainer, Look at their content. Absolutely. Listen to what they're saying. Check the information because mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, oh, well, you need to do these curls and you need to do these, whatever. Yeah. To- a totally different world we're talking about. Absolutely. So I got, when I started learning, I got really big in, I was into CrossFit. Yeah. And what got me into CrossFit wasn't the actual CrossFit part of the workouts, it was the camaraderie and the people being in one group working hard together for the same goals. And I basically had rodeo just taken away. There's, you know, you rodeo hard and then it's, you're not rodeo anymore. It's not that your buddies forget about you, but it's harder out there on the road to keep up yeah. with their, you know, keep up with your buddies at home. So you, I wasn't hearing from you them. You see them every week. No. Yeah. And it's, you get kind of lonely, you know what I mean? So it was just a good, good place for me to go and, and kind of have that. And so I loved it, man. And I uh, ended up finding a surgeon that a neurosurgeon actually, and he was like, I'll fix, I'll fix it. Guaranteed right now. First day I walked in was like, I'll fix you. And I good enough for me. I'd been through three years of this. Couldn't do anything I wanted to. So you were just continuing to look for doctors. Yep. Continue to look for doctors. Kept obviously working on my fitness and getting as strong as I possibly could, because I knew that was going to help if I was going to have surgery at some point. Right. Um, and when he said that, I said, let's go. And 
nine hours of surgery later. What? Yeah. Post lumbar fusion. They cut you anteriorly in the front. A heart surgeon takes all your organs and stuff out of you and they get to your spine and then they fix it from that side and they put all your stuff back in you and glue you and flip you on your belly and then they cut your back and, and fuse your back. So now I have my lumbars is fused, but literally when I woke up, it was like instant new. It really, dude, you know how that, yeah, I know I you do. know, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. That and, and that's why I'm sitting here going, yeah. because this is the struggle I've had. Everything you just talked about. Yep. Like, and it's not, it is serious. It's not a right. simple thing, but you being in shape, like that helps. You're, t- you're talking about most people that need this surgery are very overweight or very old. Right. So their, their results with a surgery like that are going to be very different than someone that's been working out regularly, has a strong, able body and mm-hmm. all those things, right? And so they, and the guy is like, I've never, op- you're by far the youngest person I've ever done this on. I don't know what's going to happen after. Like, I don't, you'll be the same as you are now, quality of life wise, or better. Right. It's not going to get worse. Right. Sweet. And it got infinitely better, way, way better. And it was really cool because I got to learn all this stuff on me that I know now, right? Like I taught myself how to do all this on myself, like all my rehab. I did all my own PT and it's not that I needed a therapist because I knew how to move. I had been coaching for a couple of years at that point. You know, I knew what I was doing in the gym. I just needed to explore more. And so I just started doing a lot of research and I ended up getting, finding this, um, OPEX fitness. Have you ever heard of them? Mm -mm. They do, uh, personal training certifications and more like whole lifestyle coach certifications, but it's fitness, but with nutrition guidance and they get into hormones and I mean, it's right. everything. And it's not this like hour full deal. It took me over a year to get certified. I had to do like a thesis on seven clients where I had to take them through their entire process. They taught me and write it all out and show them exactly what I had written in their programs, all individualized, what their nutrition guidance, why it was like that. It was like 86 pages. Wow. And I had to turn that into them. Then they read through it all and make sure that you are doing everything correctly, that the way that you're supposed yeah. to with the coaching, and then you get your certification through them. So it's, man, like, like the it's best. It's a full evaluation the, process. It's the closest thing you could get without getting that actual college degree that says you're a personal trainer, right? Yeah. It's the college of personal training. Yeah, that, that's super cool because when you touched on something that I think, personally, I think it's one of the most overlooked ingredients of this whole thing is blood work like blood people work, just man. want to get in the gym but yep. there are a lot of people that are suffering from um lack of testosterone or yeah. vitamin whatever D is yeah. a big one like, like dude there's so many things like your thyroid all these things work together and if you don't have all the puzzle pieces, you're never going to get the puzzle finished. You know what That's I mean? Right. So you have to look at all all the places. And we get people all the time that, and this is, I'm not a hormone doctor, right? But I have people right. come to me all the time and I suspect that it has, they'll tell me their journey so far. They've tried this, this, and this. They've done a, pretty much everything correctly and it still hasn't changed for them. That says to me something is off on the inside, right? Well, I mean, like I'm a prime example of that. Like I was working my ass off in the gym. I was eating so mm-hmm. clean. And I finally go to the doctor to do like a routine checkup. And I'm like, hey, by the way, throw my testosterone in there. Really low. Sure enough, low. Really low. But okay, it, that explains why I don't sleep everything. at night. Don't like, sleep, yeah. Probably a little moody. Yep. Like, oh, no. No, dude. <laughs> okay, maybe a little. I think that's a huge part of what we see in just men in general today, how soft they're yeah. getting, right? And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just think as, as a whole, 
men are just getting a lot softer than they ever have been. And I, their estrogen levels are exceeding their testosterone levels. And it can be an environmental thing. It could be a diet thing. It could be, you know, whatever it is. And not that anyone knew that, that they were literally doing that to themselves. Right. Right. But it's easily but it's fixable now. And a lot of guys, like, I have buddies that I know need to go get checked. And they're like, pride just will not. Yeah, I don't understand them, you know, that. Like, I, like, I don't understand the, the, the pride thing. Look, it's not a, a knock on your masculinity or your manliness. I mean, it's it the reality you of your manly. physiology. <laughs> Literally. It, it's, it's, it's no different than anything else. Like, look, yeah. if I cut my leg wide open, I'm either going to put a Band-Aid on it or go get stitches. Mm-hmm. Both to help me heal. Yes. That's... Exactly what you're doing when you're looking yeah. at blood work and things like that. Yeah, just on the inside. It's just, yeah, it's just, just on the inside. Good it, point. It, so it when when you have this wreck, when the horse flips yep. over, how old are you? 22, 23. Okay, so, so early 20s. Yep. Are you looking at this as a full-time career? Like, this is what I'm going to do? Man, I really thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, and it was just right at the point where everything was starting to really come together for me. Right. So it. Man, it sucked. It kicked me in the nuts pretty hard. Okay. And I, I've i talked to a lot of guys now since then. Obviously, that's over 10 years. But the, you get there's a lot of depression and stuff that comes with that, right? Yeah. And it's the one thing you focus on for the last 10 years of your life, literally every day. And it's just you can't do it anymore because of this unfortunate circumstance, right? Right. And it's hard to get a grip on that and think about what you're going to do after, right? And so, this is a sidetrack. With my senior year in college, I hadn't rodeoed for like a year, and my last class I had to take was some like public speaking. Everyone had to take it to graduate, and he's like, "Write about some, talk about something that affected your life." Cool. I haven't talked about this yet. I'll talk about this. Bad decision. It was a great decision. It was great. But I had like 200 people in this huge class. You know what I mean? I get like five words out, bro, and just water Lose it. Oh, dude, hard. Like like sobbing. You know what I mean? And the teacher was like, like, I could see it in his eye. Like, I I need you to finish this. I need you to finish your story or whatever. And so I got it together, and he let me get it together. And it was like 20-minute talk, I think. And I got done, and everyone like standing a play was crazy. really yeah, it was cool. But like a bunch of my buddies I rodeoed with were in that class with me, so it was they didn't know that I was going through that, you know. So it was brought that to light. It was cool. It was a really cool yeah. experience for that. But after, you know, during that whole time I was working out, I'm trying to figure out how to not make my fucking legs go numb and how to not be, sit down for five minutes and have my back just hurting all the damn time. You know, it sucked, and so I was any core exercise, anything I could figure out that would give me some kind of relief I was doing. Um, and I was looking for all kinds of ways to, to make other, like two things come together, right? Like how can I make this exercise also incorporate my core, like stabilizing my hips and my lower back, whatever it is. And you got to see a little, I've taken you some workouts now that we've got some cool stuff figured out with it. By the way, I I haven't told you yet. Yesterday I did legs in the gym and, and you kind of know, and I don't know if I've talked about this, but my left leg, I have a hard time getting my muscles to actually contract mm-hmm. and to fire in my my left leg. And I yesterday I'm doing uh, leg extensions and I get my left leg to fire and that muscle just bites. Yeah. And I'm like, hey oh, it's it's almost like learning to walk again. Dude, it is. My nerves just weren't connecting or something, but but I I finally started getting it to fire and it's like. Dude, it's like such a small victory, but it's mm-hmm. like huge. It's huge, man. And 
that mind muscle connectivity deal mm-hmm. is definitely a real thing and things get turned off neurologically from things we do every day like sitting in a bad position or slouching or whatever why are you looking at me when you say that i do that all the time i'm just i'm just yeah I'm like, I'm oh so i gotta sit bad. up yeah shoulders back oh i so feel bad. better now no i am too i think well, we all do it like everyone does and that's just the environment of our life we're sitting in desks we're sitting in chairs we're on the phone bent over in the shitty but it's an easy fix easy fix. when you think about it like driving i do it all the time when i'm driving constantly like Mm -hmm. straighten up i'm bad about one arm over and leaning away from it i used to be not so much anymore well it kind of hurts me now i try yeah no kidding i start losing feeling in my leg I, i start moving so anyways college Uh, college did that. So I got certified as a CrossFit coach and honestly just realized that CrossFit was not the best thing for a population as a whole, right? It's cool in the sense that everyone can be in there together doing things, working towards their goals together, but the programming needed to be individualized in the sense that we could do similar things and work on the same movement patterns. Right. Granny and me, you know, like literally 75 year old lady and 22 year old guy, we could work out at the same time, but we don't need to be snatching or power cleaning together. Like she needs to be doing things that are going to make her better her life while same for me. Right. And so I started going away from CrossFit, especially and OPEX is what kind of shifted me this. And she really showed me this. Um, I, so I was like, you know what, if I can learn all this and do all this for myself, I've got all my buddies here that are rodeoing that are 23 and 24 and are damn near broken already. There's lots of injuries happening. Right this is avoidable. This doesn't have to happen to everyone. And so I just started thinking how much more competitive can the sport be? If we start getting athletes to work out, how much longer can they rodeo if they continue to take care of their body? And that's something that I was just, when I looked around and everything I'd been taught in rodeo was just get tough or die, dude. Yeah. That's it. You know? And the, the game was at that point then where it was heading now or where it is now is heading there, you know, in the sense that, Casey was just starting Casey field. There were guys like that, like, um, who else like tough and those guys, you know, they were starting to work out. They weren't showing as much, but you could tell something was different about them and how they Mm -hmm. performed. And that started making other guys look at, you know, Bobby Moat, like all those guys, they were starting, they started that working out. And so we were following them, but no one knew what to do. Right. And so I just started, there's gotta be a way to translate this to all rodeo events and be able to, teach all any cowboy and cowgirl or, or farmer or rancher whatever yeah whoever yeah how to how to work out and how to you know just be intentional about your eating and and what you're doing with your life and your goals and that everything you do has a purpose everything. To, to fit into something else fit in line with everything yeah i want to go back to to 22 year old doug though okay so you go through the accident you're searching you're finishing college do you have any thoughts of what am I going to do next? Or do you have an idea like, well, I guess so, I'll go do this. I was waiting tables. I was yeah. running a kitchen in Huntsville, Texas, in a restaurant that was really, really popular in town, which we made a lot of good money. Hooters? Uh, no. Oh, um, okay. Health Farmhouse. Different. It was like uh, the old people place, bro. We had like a yep. blue plate special and stuff. You know what I mean? Nice. Like six ninety five or something. But I'd like we were right slammed, bro, all the time. Yeah. And we... In college is awesome. It wouldn't be uncommon to make a couple, couple hundred bucks in three or four hours, you know, and easy money. But yeah, I, I just really started falling in love with coaching once I found it. Yeah. And I was just like, I got to open a gym. And so I worked my ass off at this kitchen. And uh, the owner of the restaurant became one of my good buddies and loved CrossFit, loved working out as well. 
and I told him kind of what I wanted to do. And he got me set up with the bankers in town, 23 year old Doug with the bankers in town. I had saved up some money for a down payment on a loan, saved got a loan and I opened a gym, opened really a CrossFit gym, man. Yeah. And so I learned a lot about business. Yeah. Those three or four years, five years. Um, How so? Oh man. It's biggest mistake. The or over, biggest thing you learned, the overhead yeah. of your business will crush you. If you don't already have it figured out how you're going to get by right. it. Right. Uh, and 23 year old me, you know, was, fired up about life still i'm obviously still very fired up about life but i was a little too excited and probably didn't have a five-year plan no i had a, like a two-year plan like yeah. if we make it through this first year i'm doing all right yep and made it through the first year and built a hell of a community i had over 200 people clients at the gym in huntsville texas which is pretty cool especially when you start thinking about its population basis prison guards and college kids mm. so half the town leaves for half of the yeah. year um and the other part and again is their first thing on their needs and their money is not going to a right. membership, right? So made a bunch of specials for like prison workers and for for police and all that stuff, like uh, discounts. And so that helped a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I started getting, a lot of my buddies started coming in and getting into the gym and I started changing my classes a lot more for them and adjusting it. And what I mean by that is when they started coming in, that's when I was like, okay, we need to individualize these workouts in a sense. Mm -hmm. So if you're a this level athlete, you are going to go snatch today and you are a CrossFitter. If you're not, we're going to go do overhead press over here, right? And if you're a rodeo athlete, you're going to go over here with me and we're going to do this. So I was running like three different classes in this thing at once. And it was awesome, man. Like I learned how to hustle and I learned how to do what I do now. Right. But the only time I ever made money is when I sold it. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Like I, I covered my bills, but it was like 80 bucks at the end so of the day. So you're working your ass off working to just get by. My, yeah. And yeah. like constant. Constant. No rest. No rest. And I'm 5 a.m. is my first class. 7 p.m. is my last class. Wow. So I'm there 4.30 to 8. And I'm talking about I'm cleaning it every day. I'm doing every, like I did everything. Yeah. Right. How um, big was the space? 3,000 square feet. Pretty good size. Pretty good size place. Yeah. It was an old feed, feed store back yeah. in the day. You could look up on the ceiling and where they had hay stacked up all the guys that had worked there from like the fifties on had signed their name really? the year. And so there's like <laughs> signatures from like 1955, 1949. Oh, it's cool. like, it's cool, dude. It's, but it was, it was a great experience for me. It what was the name me. of it? CrossFit Hville. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Pretty simple. Yeah. Um, and then I dropped CrossFit and called it Hville strength and conditioning. Yep. And we had a, it was cool, man. We had a really good culture there. Um, I had some, had someone actually come in and be a business partner with me in the middle of it. And so I ended up adding another coach there. She helped me out with that. I ended up selling the gym to her um, when I went on to my next thing. But you sold it. Sold it. Just walked away. Yep. And clean. best thing I ever did. Really? Yep. Best thing I ever did. Just because Just that set me up for my next thing. Okay. Which was being able to you know, provide for myself for a minute and also make some more investments. And I realized that it hadn't yet. The world was heading towards remote training mm -hmm. as being a real thing. And I was, I'd been looking for that thing to be the first one in forever. Right. I think everyone is. Yeah. Cause you, Oh yeah. You start, Absolutely. yeah. You start the path. You, Oh, I mean, it's just like social media. Exactly. Like Twitter pops up and it's like, okay, is this thing going to take off? Well, mm -hmm. yeah. And if you were in the beginning stages, I had a friend of mine last night told me he had an option to invest in Facebook 
for eleven dollars a share. Oh dear God! But they had to start at seven figures, and uh, had he know. known then what he knows now, he'd be like an, he'd have found a million dollars. Yeah, right. You know, made it but happen. Didn't know. No, but I also learned that the overhead man, like I said, like I'm paying three thousand dollars a month in rent for that right. place, and no matter what you do, right, you're still that's a lot of money. Yep. And so I knew that obviously remote training, it, there is no overhead really. It's uh, all about the platform you're using to do it and then your marketing. Yeah. And granted, we spend a lot in marketing now, but to get it started, but it didn't have to. because your content is so good. Right. You, you, and it's you're, grown so much over right. these years. You know what I mean? Well, I didn't start there by any means. Right. Um, because I didn't have the resources to do that. Um, I had me yeah, <laughs> and that was it. And when I started champion living fitness, the remote version of it, um, I had a good buddy of mine that, you know, like kind of pushed me to start it. And he, we had talked about it a bunch of times together and he's like, you need to do this. Like, just go take a shot on it. So I did. And going into the finals that year, that was the year before COVID. Um, I had three guys I was helping. COVID came and I said, there's no gyms to go to. So this remote training thing is... Has to happen. This is it. I've already got it going. Like, let's get these guys' workouts on the road. Let's start going now. And so that's what I started doing. Ran that by myself for that year and was helping, I think, seven or eight guys that COVID year at the finals. And then had my good buddy Logan Corbett reach out Um and again, COVID's still going on. He's just gotten his personal training license. He's rodeoing full-time at the time. He's yeah. in the top 20 trying to make the NFR. And it just started not going great for him, I don't think. Uh, and he was looking for other options, right? Other second things to do. And personal training was it. And he's wanting to pick my brain. And I actually, he calls me. And that's pretty much how my next coach was added. It was he was trying to just get some information about personal training and how to be a better coach. And I was like, dude, turns out I need, I need some help. Um, it was just kind of taken off. You then. Gotten yeah. Client. I had probably 40 or 50 clients by myself wow. right then. Um, that's two years in. And I definitely was like, we, I would like this to grow. But and, let me step in here because the difference between you and a lot of people that have 40 or 50 clients, like there's a lot of people in the fitness industry that will take, you know, 50, 75, 100 clients, but they're putting cookie cutter programs together right. and just sending out copy and paste, mm -hmm. you know, on a Word doc and going here. Yeah. Where, and I know this now personally, like you're a guy that actually cares about each individual mm -hmm. and what's best for them. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And we're so, as you can imagine, you get into that 40 or 50 mark, that's about where my tops is and where I can give the service that I want to give. Yeah and be able to help somebody. And that number, honestly, is going to go down because of just like you said, we care so much. We give so much to our clients. Like we want to make sure our clients are ready to, you know, are working the same amount as we are, if yeah. that makes sense towards their goals. But Logan has three kids. He wanted to be home more. Um, and again, rodeoing during COVID was tough. There was half the rodeos and twice the amount of people going. So we started talking about it. I, uh, you know, told him I was busy. I would love for, if you want to learn how I have done everything and how I coach and do everything, I would love for you to come on board and we can do this together. And he was absolutely legit. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So man, ever since then, everything has just fallen into line on all the coaches we've had. We have eight coaches now. That's what I was going to um, say. Eight, eight coaches, scattered all over the country, all over the country. And little 
they're all from different backgrounds. Every one of them understands rodeo. I only have one coach that has never rodeoed before, and he was my Olympic weightlifting coach at my gym in Huntsville. So he has worked with all of my athletes over time, right? He knows he, he knows so, he knows so much about rodeo. You'd never guess that he doesn't. Well, if you look at him, you'll know he doesn't rodeo. He's actually just tatted up six foot two jacked dude. Yeah. But don't you love the fact that some of those people will get so invested in our industry? He wants to, he wants to train a steer wrestling world champ so bad. And so no no shit, right? He tells me this because he thinks it's badass. Yeah. And he's the way he coaches, he understands he understands everything, but that specifically building that power and that specific type of athlete, he is really, really good with. And so I've just, huh. he's got three kids now, dude, that he's working with and they're 18 on their permits and like monsters, bro, like freakish, like doing like That's five awesome. rep back squats at 365. Really? Yeah. And like, well, at a tempo, like it's, and they get off and just throw shit, dude. That's the other thing I found out about uh, your program and how you you facilitate things is with all of your coaches, when somebody applies or somebody mm-hmm. comes to you, you try to match them with a specific coach that fits their needs. Absolutely. And so obviously we have guys, girls coming in. Um, we have guys and girl coaches. And I give we ask a series of questions when people are and just coming in for their consultation which is free to anybody that wants to do that if you want to do it get a consult talk to a coach figure out you know hear about what we have to offer actually get to talk to the person that's going to be coaching you um and make sure it's going to be a good fit for you you know you said earlier how do they do that the champion champion living fitness.com okay there are links all over that say become an athlete click that form it's going to take you to the consultation form your name goes on there, your email, phone number, and then I'm going to ask you a series of questions. What's your goals are? How much time do you have to apply to working right. out every week? What has your uh, nutrition been like recently? What are your goals if you are a rodeo athlete in the arena? If not, what are your goals as a person, right? Gotcha. Um, and then I give you, if you do have a coach in mind, you can pick them on the list. If not, it says the best coach for me. And when it says that, I'm looking at all the answers and I'm sending them to who I think is going to be the best fit yeah. for them. Um, whether it's And that's all free. free. Like the consultation yes, part free. is free. Yep. Wow. Yep. So you can find out, you know, what you're getting into. You can get all the answers. And sometimes it's for us, it's definitely for us too, too. We want to make sure our clients are, if you're signing up with us, like I said, we put a lot of time and care in what we do. Uh, We want our athletes to do the same when you're otherwise just a waste of time for everybody. Right. But it's part of the bigger picture, which is something like, I I feel like every time we get together, we talk about the evolution of the sport, the evolution of the industry and things are getting bigger. We jokingly talked about fashion, but it's part of the big picture. It really (laughs) is. is. I mean, for people to start looking at this as a bigger sport and a bigger industry than what it is mainstream, if you Mm -hmm. will, we have to accept what every other sport is accepting. And, that encompasses fashion. It encompasses, most importantly, the work away from the arena. It's a culture it that is. you have to create. And every other sport has done that. And rodeo is starting to, like we've just talked about. But the change, in, like I was saying earlier, all those guys that never worked out before, back yeah. when the shoots were made of wood and the men were made of steel yeah. kind of deal, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's changing. The, the breeding of the animals is a huge part in that, in the fact that the power that they have, you Guys back yeah. then could they couldn't run they couldn't hold on two hands with those you know what I mean yeah. these will would crush them uh, so things are changing the athletes are changing and we have to create that culture like every other sport has done to show them as professionals and 
it is so much more than just working out. That is a small piece of it, right? Do you get a lot of pushback? Tons. Do you? Tons. From from within our own realm, if yep. you will. Absolutely, man. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me either. And I think it's just something again, the culture that it is in now has always been there. And it's hard to change. I, I've actually heard people in this industry, people in this sport that are notable tell other guys, Oh, you don't need to be doing all that working out and all that stuff. Yep. What? Yeah, and I always say, you know, just look at the guy that's saying that and what year did his career end at, right. at an age. Usually probably most of them before 30. Yeah. And usually if they go past that, until recently, it's not much more past 32 or 33, and you're done. So you're telling me that if you could have – and again, he's probably thinking about working out like Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. like going to the – Going to the or you're gonna get for, big, you're yeah. Gonna get you're gonna get yoked and too yeah. huge, and you can't be big to ride rough stock. It's right. like, dude, shut up. That is not even close to the truth. And there's actual scientific proof now. Andy Wolf at Stephenville at Tarleton, yeah, has done scientific studies on rodeo athletes and resistance training, and you don't gain body, you gain no weight. Like you don't, right? Yeah, you don't you get, do it without getting. You just big. get stronger and better. Yeah. That's it. I mean, and, Andy. Andy's great, yeah. man. Oh yeah, I was at the at the clinic, yeah. right? Yeah, I invited him up there because I was like, he's going to geek out on this, dude. He's going to love this. He's such a cool guy. He's great, man. But he you can tell really he cares good. about people. He, he cares about people and the sport. And the sport. Uh, that's another thing we have in common. We spend a lot of time working with Western Sports mm-hmm. Foundation. I just did a podcast with Aubrey. It'd be the previous episode of this, and and Aubrey O'Quinn, who is the director of the Western Sports Foundation, helps so many people in so oh, man. many different facets. If I won't dive off too much into the weeds here. Go back and listen to the previous episode. And, and uh, if, if you're a fan of rodeo, I feel like you have to be doing something for the Western have Sports Foundation. And like, talk about changing a culture, man. Yeah. They are giving athletes all the professional assets they need to be a professional athlete. Right. And that's something that has never been had, never been done. And not to mention, it's free. For all right. the athletes, like the, if you're not going, no matter what level you are, I don't care if you want a world title. If you've never been to one of these, you need to go. Yeah, just Google Western Sports Foundation yep. or WSF.org. Check it out. Um, go back and listen to the other podcasts. I'm I'm telling you, it's, and Aubrey's got such a cool story too. Uh, your list of coaches, not all guys, not all guys. We have uh, three girls now. Okay. Uh, Natasha McCann, who is also um, extremely extremely talented in uh, rehab. Uh, injury rehabilitation. She is a massage therapist. Um, has a couple like clinician. Um, I forget what it's called. She's smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> way smarter than me. I have. She a, is. She, yeah. She's extremely, extremely talented at what she does. She loves the sport. Um, has been heavily involved in the sport, and she is a great asset to my team. Um, Meg, Megan Epperson. She is a one of the most talented horsewomen I know. Um, she, she looks is jacked. Right she now is too. jacked. So we saw her what last night. Last night, her and her husband. Her yeah. husband's yoked, yoked too. As hell too. Like, yes, Riley. sir. Yeah. Whatever you need. Can yeah. I go get That's, you another drink? You don't whatever. need a drink. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get yeah. you anything. Um, man, she was. She's been one of my clients for four years. Really? And wanted to be a coach. They're like she, the jacked couple. They're badass. So she trained Peruvian horses. Yeah. Forever. And uh, this is her next thing she wants to do is train barrel racing horses and be a personal trainer. It's awesome. And so she already knew all my systems, obviously, with working out with me for so long. She obviously has had amazing results and puts in the work every damn day. Yeah. And so I knew she'd be a great fit. 
and uh, she's been doing awesome. And then I have Jessica Bragg, who is an athletic trainer and a personal trainer. Um, she works with a high school up in South Dakota, and she also does a bunch of like sports med things. Do you ever match men with those women? Absolutely. Do you ever get pushback from? Them? No, actually, that's it's pretty good, and really? I think that just comes down to at least men in our area, in our demographic are very respectable, like well, respectful. And I think the clientele that's going to come to you is seeking help. And if I'm telling them that this is their best option, bingo, they're not going to fight me on it. And the thing is, when I explain it to them is the reason that I have this team is because I'm not good at everything and we all are good together. We are great at everything. Right. right? And so when I'm not good at something, that's why I have my team. So I can send them to, whoever is going to be the best fit and actually help them. So I have guys that are coming to me maybe just after an ACL surgery or something. And I'm not a, we are not physical therapists at all, but Natasha can dang sure do those things. And, uh, Jess can dang sure to do those things, you know, and help them. And again, not physical therapy. We don't claim to be physical therapy. Right. 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 Not, um, we, we just, they know what they're doing. So if I tell them, you know, a guy, let's just like, for example, if I told, uh, Caleb Bennett that, you know, you're just coming off of this injury. I think this would be a great fit for you for four weeks. Yeah. He would be like, absolutely. Let's go. Right. Cause they know that if I'm telling them that I'm not just bullshitting them. Which, by them, the way, he's one of your coaches. Yes. Yeah. One of my coaches. Cool um, guy. Great guy. man. Such a cool guy. Great guy. Um, Oh my God. I completely lost train of thought there, but he's a longtime client too. Really? Yeah. So before, I trained him. I've been training him for four years now too. Gotcha. And again, he's thinking about what am I going to do after rodeo? Yeah. And he want he loved it. Loved working out. Loves being a coach. And he's a great coach too, man. Do you take the time and stop like during these ten days and go, holy crap, we've got sixteen competitors. Man, here. I've done it a couple times, and it's you know how easy it is to get wrapped up in the just the hustle and bustle here. Like you just go go go. And this is my second year coming here and having to do media type stuff. Right. And this year, obviously, much more busy than last year. Uh, so it's really easy to forget about what you've done, the reason that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And then, not that not, I see the guys every day. We get going in the morning. Like, I'm texting them after every ride. But, like, we got to play a very small role in getting these guys here. And the best part is a lot of our, our athletes become our buddies, right? Yeah. So we, man, it means so much to me to see them accomplishing that goal that, I, you know, what I killed to do back yeah. in the day. And then also I want to see them. I always say this, but I want Tom Brady's to happen. Like I want older, I want to see older world champs. I want to see someone not have to be done rodeoing or be done rodeoing and not have to go work a nine to five. I want to see a guy that's 38, 39 years old fighting yeah. for the title. Yeah. And like, yeah. that's not going to happen with this generation of guys because this hasn't been happening that long. Right. But these kids that are 18, 19, 20, younger, yeah. they start now preparing themselves and preparing their bodies. Dude, we're going to see it. And that's only going to elevate the game in the sense of like sponsors looking at rodeo. Oh, my God. These kids are training like athletes. They're doing all these things correctly now that this culture has been changed and flipped around. Rodeo can be the biggest sport in the world, in the U.S., again, I think, again. Uh, yeah. I really do. I really feel like... There's no better time to be a cowboy than right now based off of, dude, how much attention is there on Western World with Yellowstone, with the PBR, with absolutely the NFR. Like, all these things are happening, and everyone wants to be a cowboy. And, and I know that everybody uses the same kind of scenario of, well, 
any kid can go out and play t-ball. Any kid can go out and play soccer. Well, any kid can find a place to go mm-hmm. learn about rodeo or, or Western sports or bull riding or any of those things. But it does. It takes a special, unique type of uh, individual. Yep. To come be a part of this world, mm-hmm. you've got to seek it out. And that's the weird thing about it is like, like baseball, football, soccer, all these things are thrown in your face as a kid. Like they're everywhere. We still live in a industry where you've got to go look for it a little bit. Absolutely, and that's going to be the name of the game for the whole for any part of rodeo. Right. Is you definitely none of it comes easy for anyone. I don't think you always everyone's has had to work pretty damn hard to be where they are, and. uh I think that's why we also just meet so many damn good people in this industry too. From a business standpoint of what you've done over the years, what do you think is the the key to the success you've had? Man, my consistency yeah. and persistency in what I do. But biggest thing for me is it's always been about my clients and athletes. And then now my coaches, I want to make sure that they are getting the best service and version of me throughout throughout everything, man. And so like, for instance, a lot of coaches have a pretty high turnover ratio. We don't, our turnover on clients, man, we don't have people for months. We have people for years. They just keep coming back. They stay and they stay. And sure, we go through times where they may not work out that much for two months, but they're staying because they know that whenever they're ready to come back, we're going to have them back on track, right? Yeah. Um, So just, I always preach it to our coaches. We have a meeting every Tuesday, every morning, every Tuesday morning about coaching. And we go through learning new stuff together. Like I always want to make sure we're growing, but I always just, tell them like without our clients we never we won't be here we won't we can never do this so the service that we offer is never gonna waver i want it needs to be a certain i it's i demand it of them yeah and i've never had any pushback at all and that's something that i don't know we pride ourselves on it man take yourself back in time and we'll take like the current generation or maybe throw the current generation in there Who's somebody that you go, man, I wish I could get my hands on that athlete and really work with them. Do you have anybody like who, who would you like to go back and say, I just wonder what we could do with that person. Dude, there's a good, I'm trying and I'm just drawing blanks right now, but I'm just trying to think of someone that was really talented that. Because there's so many talented athletes over the, I look at a guy and he comes to mind because I was just with him yesterday, but like a guy like Cody Ole. Mm-hmm. As good as he was, oh man, I didn't even think about if that. If you put him into a program like what we're looking at now, yeah. how much better could he have been? Oh, it would have been nuts. Could his knees have held up a little or better? Like Luke would have been really Ranquino, man, like that would have been cool to like, work with him. I, I mean, we and we were talking obviously bigger made guys, but there's so many of them out there. That, yeah, there's so many. Do you um, just think I would have loved to work with Casey? Yeah, yeah, that would have been really cool. Yeah, um, but he's one of my really good buddies. So close and he works mind. his ass off, though. Oh, dude, that guy. Guys don't understand. Like, the, then he doesn't work all day at bareback riding. He is, but he literally writes in two hours a day that he's working on bareback riding. Okay, not on the spurt over two hours, but an hour he's working out. A uh, half an hour he's visualizing. A half hour he's doing this. Whatever it is, two hours of a day is bareback riding only, and then the rest he forgets about bareback riding and does his other things which is a huge part, I think, to his success because it can't be the only thing that you have. And that's why I was depressed when I couldn't rodeo anymore. That's why we see so many guys that when rodeo is gone, they have nothing and they get lost. you had in your life? Yes, that's it. You can't, that can't be it. And it will be 
crazy what your performance will be like when you're not just thinking about it all damn day, you know? I, I think about this all the time. The word discipline gets used so freely, but everybody thinks discipline. Well, you've got to be thinking about it. You've got to be working towards it. No, discipline is knowing that when you're focused on it, you're focused on it, but you also have to be disciplined enough to disconnect, live your life, be able to find that balance. Like there's more to it than just what you're striving to become. Absolutely. And and people will say, you got to eat, sleep, breathe, live it. I don't agree with that. Me neither. I I, I just don't. Um, just like it gets unhealthy. Then you're consumed by <laughs> yeah, it, it gets and you to can't be get away from. It. Yep. And yeah, then, are those people going to yeah. be successful? Sometimes, Probably, yeah. Some of them, but are those people going to end up miserable when it's gone? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And probably not enjoying it the whole time it's happening. If you're, you know, when you're that consumed, which by is it. huge, you got to enjoy. We've it. we we sit here and we talk about it. We've both been in that situation mm-hmm. where, yeah, man, probably my first. Seven or eight PBR World Finals are just a blur, just an not absolute being present, blur. Right? Because I was like, "How do I get better? How do mm-hmm. I how do I do this next year? How do I keep getting?" Which I still think that way every oh, second. That's is, what. How do I get better? But I also like. I made a comment earlier this week. Click Thompson, photographer of the oh. year. Ah, oh, he's got his NFR, his PRCA buckle. buckle. And I was like, "Man, that's so cool." He's like, "Yeah, one, you know, but." You got ten of those PBR finals, and, and I said, "No, I've got thirteen of them." Let's <laughs> let's not get it twisted. Yeah, but I missed half of them. Yeah, I didn't stop and really truly enjoy Soak them. Soak it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I am now. Yeah, and I hope you are. When I'm definitely with what trying. you're doing because yeah. you're changing people's lives. Yeah, it's it's cool, man, and it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my really? life. Oh, by far. And I think about and you mean that. I can tell. Oh, when you I say really it. Do. You mean that. I really do, man. And like I said, I. Honestly, not winning or not even getting a chance to come to the finals as an athlete, this trumps that by far. Like, yeah. by far. Getting to see these guys do this. And like I said, if I can get them to get to ride it one or two more years longer, fuck, that's that's all I want to do. In a sense, you're still making your NFR presence. Dude, it's, yeah, it feels like it. And like the coolest thing about what we do is we get so many, every other sport, you don't get to be with your athlete mm-hmm. in the shit. And every one of us that rodeos goes to rodeos to support our guys. And we're working neck ropes. We're pulling saddles. Yeah. We're pulling riggings. We're like in the war with them a little bit. Yeah. Dude, that's fun. And that's cool. And like for them to be able to look down, I've got their neck rope and they know that I've got them, you know? And they're just like, that just adds even more confidence to what they're doing because yeah. they know I'm not letting go of them. They can go about business and go do it. And it's crazy. I think if you had a poll, once Kelly Wardell's done, I think they would they would be like, I want Dougie to run neck ropes. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, did, did you and Richie, and I know you, you guys have both talked about this, but did you grow up in the sport? Man, no. We, mine and Richie's life is a little crazy. In Lay it on me. Born in California. Okay, what part? LA, Richie's born in Orange County. Moved to Cimarron, New Mexico. Wait a minute. Yep. Let's stop because now all of a sudden everybody's so embarrassed to say, like I, this watch party, I keep saying, "Hey, where are you from?" California. Uh, California. Don't, don't tell anybody. Us. No, no, no. There's some great Dude, people. I in love California. Cali. Like the there's state. Some great yeah. people there. And there's a great rodeo and community there. Absolutely. Like it's like uh, 
Cal Poly. Yeah. Dude, those guys are awesome. And their rodeo is unreal. Their college rodeo, the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, like, I visited with those guys last night. I did too. too. Yeah, and good, they were telling me people. all hyped up about it. And I'm like, I'm going to be there next year. And watch. So, so you guys are both born. Both born there. California. We did, you know, three till we're, I was like three or two or something. Right. Richie's still a baby. We moved to Cimarron, New Mexico. My dad's family had bought a hotel called the St. James there. It's a haunted hotel. Is that what your family My were in the hotel business? My dad is in the hotel business, yeah. Okay. Mom did hotels and restaurants. And where in New Mexico? Cimarron. Okay. Uh, northern. Middle of nowhere, haunted? bub. Haunted. And like legit haunted, bub. Like not just a little haunted. I got a like, haunted motel story about New Mexico, too. It probably was the same one. I think it was in Santa Fe. It's, this is three hours from Santa Fe. This is a true story. Me, Ryan Dirt Eater, Dusty LaBeth driving to a bull riding somewhere and it's santa fe new mexico we stop they've got one room in the hotel they give us a key and it's an old school key oh yeah we walk in the room and ryan dirtier goes i don't have a great feeling about this uh-uh. it's just kind of weird <laughs> yeah. well okay cool we go somewhere else we drive down the road we find something different two weeks later i'm watching unsolved mysteries and that freaking hotel is on unsolved mysteries and i was like what it's, Saint, it's the St. James. It's where I was. It has to be, it, right? They did so many TV shows about that place. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, there's a picture of a, this room. They don't let anyone go in because it's so haunted. It's a second floor room in broad daylight, but with the blinds closed like this. You take the picture, nobody there. Look at this film development. Someone standing, like, shadow directly in the middle of the deal. But there ain't nowhere to stand. Oh. Nowhere. My parents be walking down the hallway because it's such a small hotel. They didn't have, like front desk people they were the front desk people so they they're there till late yeah walking through the hallways their name getting called um what yes they had like a um this one where a, a lady of the night was there you know at the hotel back in the day she got murdered in her room every time a man stays in the room with with his wife too right the whole hallway reeks of old timey perfume. It gets it gets better. It gets better. Oh, dude, my the the stuff in the room, the guys' stuff. They'll leave. They'll come back. The guys' stuff is folded. The women's stuff is th- scattered about. In really, yes. isn't that wild? That's so. It gives you, me chills thinking about and it. And it too. wasn't like your parents going in there and doing. My dad said he had a like legit had a talk like in the hallway like all right like I'm done with this like you do your thing I'm doing mine but I ain't leaving like I'm staying here. Oh, this is what it was. He was in his office, and like like a movie, bro. He's signing. Goes to reach in a file cabinet in his desk. Pulls it open. They all rip open. Files get thrown Shut out. Of, no, up. swear to God. Ugh. He comes home and my mom's like, "What's what's wrong? Like you look like you've seen a ghost or like you pale. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, "Well, I, I did. did." And she's like, "What do we do?" And he goes, "I just stood there and yelled at it, just like I'm not leaving. Like Ugh. this is it. I'm you do chilled. your thing. I'm doing mine. And ever dude, just wild stuff. Like my uncle was a chef there, and as chefs do, has a little bit of a temper." And was cussing his... Wait, you said that like everybody knows that... Every chef has a temper. You got to know. I worked in kitchens a lot, so I just I was going to say, I I did not know that, but thank you. It's like, what's another stigma for like an angry person working? I don't know. (laughs) Chefs, man. Chefs are hot. I got you. Anyways, he's having words with his kitchen staff, and a knife comes down from the top shelf and sticks right between his feet. What the hell? Kitchen staff left every one of them. Out, gone. See ya. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, never. I would never. Wild go back. stuff. Like you can't even. Like hard to believe stuff. Okay, so how does this story? Any, yeah, end? so this is like year four of my life. <laughs> wow. 
Moved to Alaska no, after that. No, 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 no. How does the hotel story end? We they sell it. Sold, yeah. Who the hell's gonna buy? Well, it? my my dad's family owned it, so my dad let got a better offer on a job in Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. We moved there when I was four. Okay. Uh, Richie's gonna be one then, um, and we lived there till I was in sixth grade. And so Alaska was a lot of our childhood was downhill ski racing, fishing, hunting a lot. Um, so Alaska, another like hotel, Sheridan in Anchorage, Alaska, okay, yeah, downtown, and so he was a GM there. Gotcha. And we were there for six, seven years, and it was awesome, man. That was cool. Uh, my dad grew up Eastern Washington, Ellensburg area, okay, um, farming, ranching, doing all that stuff, um, and they used to rodeo for fun. My uncle would calf roped a lot, but we always had rodeo talked about in our family. But nothing serious. Nothing serious. Nothing like that, right? But like since we were kids, like babies, we love horses, mm-hmm. and Richie especially loved horses. So after Alaska, we went to Texas for middle school. California, New Mexico, Alaska, Texas. Got it. Three years. Okay. Arizona for high school. Damn, you guys are moving mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, was that hard? Yeah, it, it was hard then, but now it's like that's what kind of makes us so good at just being able to do go wherever and talk to whoever and did you go through the like childhood stuff of like oh i'm leaving my friends yeah making new friends it started to get to that point though it was so normal yeah like we just leave every three years that's what we do wow and so you just got i got used to i think richie had a little harder time with it Mm -hmm. especially being the youngest you know i mean just tougher at a younger age moving like that yeah but i graduated from high school and then uh ended up in texas for college wow and richie yeah was in texas as well and so Richie started, we started riding horses and doing stuff like that in middle school. Um, just like going to like camps in the summer, like riding, like Western horse riding stuff, you know? And then we were like, all right, this is lame. Like we want to do cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> we want to like, do cowboy shit. Yeah. Like yeah. we want to get ranked. Yeah. And so my uncle was helping a guy make bull ropes at the time called Riata Bull Ropes. Yeah. Um, I think they're probably still around. And sent us a steer rope and then we were like we want to do this you know what i mean like this is it and so richie got into steer riding and then really got into mounted shooting and so he was like a national champion mounted shooter in his age division he he and Paige were on a podcast about a year ago actually yeah and we talked about his mounted shooting career he's actually really good yeah (laughs) yeah like really impressive um and then i decided i wanted to ride i was training colts and for high, and when I was in high school just for a trainer, you know, getting paid, I don't know, 75 bucks a week or something. Right. Yeah, not much. But just ride and hustle. Yeah. Picking up some riding money. little bucking colts around and getting them to stop and putting 30 days on them. And that was it, you know. And then I was like, all right, I think I want to get into some bucking horse riding. So we built an arena at my buddy's house. We bought some Mustangs from the freaking BLM and welded together a buck and shoot and maybe some zip ties holding the arena together. And taught ourselves how to ride bucking horses really yeah it was terrible we sucked oh man did we suck it was the hardest thing ever we we tortured ourselves but again back then dude there wasn't there's nothing to go to to get but were you guys like trying to pick up and and do the whole deal or jump off you just okay yeah and hope that your hand comes out, or are you guys just trying to learn it, your hand, the feel of it? Just the feel you of it. You weren't wedging in there. Well, like we a, used like a work glove or something, gotcha. and they yeah, were yeah, like yeah. bucking hard, yeah. right? And then we ended up buying a couple bucking horses, and then we just put our hand in a little tire and jump off still. So you guys were like little, just, I mean, kind of running it like a business, like we're going to learn this. We're going to figure it out, out, yeah. And there's nowhere to get on and nowhere to learn, so we just halfway learned. So how long was it before you went to like your first rodeo? 
Dude, I think I got my first rodeo. I got on like my second horse ever. Really? Yeah, our first horse ever, to be honest. Like they didn't have that. Bet. You just went straight. I mean, yeah, showed up to. at the rodeo with like a rig in and a glove and had no clue what I was doing. And one of the guys was like, bro, we got to fix that. Yeah. And it was early in the, like, you know, typical first rodeo, get there at like 2 p.m. noon or whatever. You're like, oh, the rodeo's not until 8. Yeah. Sitting around all day, some guy walking by helps me out, somewhat helps me get my rigging set up. And it's like a rigging from the 60s. So, mm-hmm. granted, I was just set up for failure from the right. get go. But start learning some things, figuring that a little bit more. And then, uh, you know, it just kind of transition from there it's weird how that's changed over the years because and and you've got to have some luck on your side because there's a lot of guys that go into a situation like that and they never get that help Mm -hmm. you got to kind of be lucky that maybe you stumble past somebody that notices yeah and this guy needs some help yeah yeah and we're starting like with us that's our whole the biggest picture goal with what we do is to help the sport in general right and obviously we're bareback riders a lot of us or me specifically and two of my coaches but we care a lot about buck and horse riders right and i we care about not having to go through the shit that we had to go through to get guys into the sport because it again things are getting softer Mm-hmm. and not just a product of their environment, but that they're not going to last in what we had to do, right? right? And we see that now at schools we teach. So we really are trying to, again, we started this Optimal Performance Academy. I don't think we've talked about that on here yet. but this No, is, we haven't, actually. This is like your, it's an academy. It's not just a rodeo school. You don't go for two days and just learn how to ride a bucking horse. You come and learn how to be a rodeo athlete. And this first one we did wasn't even for beginners. You actually had to have had some kind of entrance in. Um, you had to send in five videos and be at this level where you're going from high school rodeo, college rodeo, or into those things, and then going to be a professional rodeo athlete. So teaching them how to manage their money, how to enter rodeos, what it takes to like financially to actually rodeo for a year full time. Because every kid there showed up, I want to make the NFR. Cool. Do you know how much it takes to rodeo for a year before you win anything? No. That's it takes about 50 grand. People don't realize is they might look on like the website and see, oh, this guy's made 130000 Yeah, but he spent 70000 yeah. to try to get to those to places. Just get and then, there, yeah. Then you tack on doctor bills and things Whatever. like that. Yeah. Like it's like, not a get rich type business. No, not at all. And guys just don't realize that, you know, and that's where I think a lot of guys fail is because they just don't know. There is no information about how much money it takes for a guy to yep. rodeo, right? That's right. None. So they get to come there and listen to a guy that's made the NFR ten times, you know, and Bennett Caleb tells them exactly what he pulls up his inv- like literally his dollars and is like, this is my expenses. This is what they, like, you know, were all my expenses were. Who wants to make the NFR still? I do. Who has 40 grand to rodeo full time? I don't. Okay, so our goals just have to change a little bit, right, guys? That's all it is. We're not saying you aren't going to make the NFR. We're saying if you, that's your only goal right now, you're, you're fucked. Uh, that, uh, are you a goal setter? Big time. So we talk about this on here a lot about long-term goals, but there's steps to get there. You have to have the you steps. You have man. to have these little short-term goals. You have to have I I have to have at minimal daily victories. That's at least exactly. daily victories. That's why I write my 30 minutes out. 
Yeah. So I can see it. And I have my, I call it a power oh, list. You're overachiever. You're getting a win every 30 minutes. Yeah. I, like, I'm happy to just get a, get couple a of silver days, medal but every hey, 24 whatever hours. Whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do. And like our coaches, we all put together power lists. It's three things we need to do throughout the day. And they might not be all work related, but that right. are going to keep us on track for what we're doing. And if we do those three things, we probably knocked out the rest of it. Yeah. Um, but those small check marks are what the biggest thing we did with this OPA, this Optimal Performance Academy, and getting these kids to realize, okay, you want to make the NFR. Okay, what do you have to do first? I got to go, I got to make circuit finals probably. Okay. How do you make a circuit finals? I think I got to go to 30 rodeos in the circuit. Cool. How much money you got to make? Cool. You got to make 30 grand to make it. All right, cool. We've done that, right? How much you got to make to make the finals? Well, this year it was no less than a hundred thousand. I don't think in the bareback riding. So next year's probably gonna be a little more just the way it has been trending. So you got to be able to make 120,000 in that year. All right. What does that accumulate to? Well, now I got to go to a hundred rodeos in the year. Okay, if I go to 100 rodeos, got to make over 100,000. Damn, that means I need to make 1,000 a rodeo. That's not going to happen every time. But right. if you can break it down over months or over quarters or whatever, and you need to have these dollar amounts won by this amount, cool. You're trending up. You're going towards the right path. You're checking off those boxes. Um, and so you get to continually have those small wins, which always just results in the big win happening. And you, when you start focusing on what's in front of you and not just what's way in front of you or way ahead of you, that day-to-day is going it always results in the huge goal. And then the person that doesn't can't focus on the day-to-day or the step-by-step and only is just motivated by the possible end result is never going to get there. What was it they said? A hundred mile run starts with the first step. Yeah. And you still go one step at a time. Yeah, it's the same for everybody. You've got to get this step, then the next step, then the next step. And that's whether you're going a mile or a thousand miles. And that's where everyone gets deals with a lot of, I think, just anxiety about when they start looking at goals is they can't figure out how to make it smaller. Right. It's like, I want to lose 50 pounds. Okay, what do you got to do? I got to lose one pound first. Oh, cool. Let's lose one first. Okay, yeah. and how do I do that? Okay, well, I can get up and go for a walk. Yeah. Like, you break everything, everything down. down. It's so, it, it's it's amazing to me. And I've told this story on the podcast about, buddy wanted to, he was a smaller guy in the gym, wants to get to 160. Well, what do you weigh? 135. Let's get to 140. Yeah. No, I want to get to 160. Let's start with 140. No, I want to get to 160. Hey, what's closer to 160? 135 or 140? Well, 140. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Let's do that first. Little steps. Yeah, it it does. It makes it so much easier. And you feel so much more accomplished. Because you're actually going to see the goal. It's easier to stay positive when you start checking these things off the box. Exactly. What's next on your box to check off? Oh, man. I mean, I know there's probably there's a like lot so of things that you boxes. don't want to talk about because you are in the middle of like changing yeah. the game. And so like the whole champion living, uh, the website, the way you do things constantly like changing the game, I think, for athletes. So I'm sure that's gonna just continue to to manifest. But um sixteen guys here. Yeah. Sixteen. I wanna obviously I'd love for that number to grow next year. Bingo. But the biggest thing for us as coaches, and I, I say this a lot to our coaches, is winning. We can't control them winning gold buckles or whatever, right? Yeah. What we can control is them being healthy at the end of the year and then being able to use the full time to prepare for the NFR getting here. And that's the best we can do. So if non-contact injury-wise, if guys are coming out, and what I mean, like a horse doesn't flip over and break their leg or their thumb. Right. That's a win, and I just want to keep doing that. And we've done a really, really good job about that, and not just me by myself. Like It's across the board. All of our coaches are doing an outstanding job keeping athletes healthy and keeping them you know, striving towards their goals. So for me, the biggest thing is just 
I just want to continue to do what we're doing and do it at the highest level. And that's going to come with, man, we've got just a lot of opportunities. We're all, we learn a lot, man. We try to continuously learn as a group and push ourselves to, to make what we do better. So we've got just a lot of cool things on the board. Before we wrap up, talk to me about the podcast. Man, the podcast is cool. Champion Living Podcast with Doug Champion. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, man, Pandora, all, all the stuff. Right, everywhere. Um, it's, it's a cool spin on stuff. We do obviously talk about fitness, nutrition, and how it relates to the sport of rodeo. We also talk about life, man. We have lots of just talks about what we're doing, hunting, fishing, kids, like and all the things. And you and a couple of the coaches. Yep. It's me and two of my other coaches, Logan and Paul. Um, and it's cool. They're, they're two dads. They both have three, four kids each, you know, and they're uh, both we're full-time rodeo athletes. So they get to talk about their transition from, from rodeo into doing what we do now. And we are every week we're talking about a topic that relates to, to fitness, nutrition, something like that. Um, and it's not always about rodeo, man. Well, from what I, my opinion, it comes from a real life perspective. Like you said, they're all dads, you know, like, like they're dads that have been in this industry. They're not just guys talking about it. Exactly. You guys have a different perspective on how you see things. And like, I think it's cool. Yeah, man. It's we, real. We, yeah, we just, that's what we wanted with when it came to it. Again, no information really out yeah. there for, for rodeo athletes, Western rodeo athletes or Western athletes in general. Uh, we just wanted the real to be out there and it to be something people could take away every time they listened and use it. And so it's, it's very simple. Um, we're not, you know, and what we're sharing with people on how to do things we literally give you exactly how to do it. Mm-hmm. And we just want to give as much information as we can out there and give man solid information again, in a world that's just freaking filled with info and usually poor info, about, especially about working out, weight loss, yeah. things like that. We just want to try and spread the realest information we can. And well, and help. there's a lot of uh, differentiation between opinions when Absolutely. it comes to fitness and nutrition. Like you hear one side of the story, and it's a different side of the story. Like there's just so much. I hate to use the word misinformation, but there is a lot of it out there. They just take information and they only take three words of it and spin it it. exactly how they want it to. And it's like, ooh, if you actually read the full sentence of what that came from, it doesn't say that at all, right? Bingo. So, man, podcast is great. This is just finishing up our first year. Actually, like this might might be the date, the anniversary. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I haven't really looked at the calendar in a couple of days here, but. uh, I I, I started mine on. December 1st, I think. Man, actually. it's coming. It just happened. Ah, yeah. that's crazy. Congrats. But thanks, man. So, yeah, if you guys have never checked it out, you like rodeo, you like fitness, nutrition, and just some real dudes, check it out. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, social media. Champion.living on Instagram. Champion.living. Yep. And then Champion Living Fitness on Facebook. Okay. And again, championlivingfitness.com is where you're going to find all of our uh, information about coaching, programs, podcast information is and on the there. the Academy. And the Academy. Yep. Okay. So cool. What else? Anything else? Man, that's it. If you guys have any questions about any of this, like I'm always up to talk, talk back to people, give you guys information. You want to shoot me a message, whatever. I'd be happy to happy to answer it and, and give easiest you the way to DM Instagram. Yep. yep. Easiest way to jump far. on the website. Okay, yep. cool. By cool. far. And I appreciate you. I know it's busy taking the time to do this. Yeah, this so. is, I've been wanting to be on here I know for we've a talked while. about, we talked about so forever. Long. So, uh, good news is we got the first one out of the way. We'll just keep doing it. Let's do it, man. Hey, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me, buddy.